The more things change, the more they just stay the same, things loop around, the same things that we heard when we were kids, they're starting to come back around maybe 20 years later. And so um, that's what we're talking about with old school, that the things from the Old Testament, from the book of Exodus, and all those old books from, written thousands and thousands of years ago, were talked about again in the Gospels and in the New Testament, and we're still talking about them today. These attributes of God that are never changing. Uh, God, the word says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when we talk about old school things about God, we're really talking about the God who is very much alive today, now, and exactly who he's like. So the book of Exodus was written about 1,500 years, or the, the events were written about 1,500 years before Christ. And we're looking at those to see, uh, to learn some things about God that Christ talked about as well. Last week, Shane started off the series. He talked about how God is close, and that God was leading his people. He was close to them every step of the way. And he was guiding them around armies, protecting his people as they went away from Egypt, as they were escaping Egypt. We're going to pick it up um, pretty much right after the events of the Red Sea today. So we're going to be in Exodus chapter 15. If you want to turn there in your Bible, if you brought a Bible today, or if you have an app on your phone uh, or tablet, wherever you can get on our Wi-Fi here, the password is here to serve, all one word. Um, we invite you to get online. Um, if you have the Uversion app on your device, you can pull up the verses. We put all those in there in a live event. Just find the live event, and you can just follow along with us and not have to flip around so much. But Exodus chapter 15 is where we're going to be. The, just a little bit of background before we jump into some of the verses. We're not going to read the first part of uh, Exodus 15. Exodus 15 starts out that mo most of the chapter is Moses just singing this awesome praise song to God. He's just exalting God for everything that he's done. They literally just moments before have come out of the Red Sea experience, parting the waters, they walk on dry lands, the waters crash down, kill all the Egyptian army. They're on cloud nine. This is the, this is the biggest moment for the Israelite people up to this point. And they, Moses sings this exalting song to God. How, how great is our God? He will do anything for us. We can trust him. He is powerful. He will save us. And then this happens in verse 22. Let's read Exodus 15:22. It says, Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in, the desert, in this desert for three days without finding any water. When they came to the oasis of Marah, the water was too bitter to drink. So they called the place Mara, which means bitter. So the word Mara actually translated means bitter. The human body can, withstand, uh, can sustain life without water for about three days. So we know basically they're on the brink of death at this point. Uh, they, they needed water to keep surviving. And God knew this, obviously. He's going to take care of them here, as we'll see in a second. But you've got to be thinking, like, okay, we, we just came through the Red Sea. God is powerful. He's taking care of us. But now they're immediately, just three days after the Red Sea, are already questioning God. Where, it, where is God taking us? What is God doing? What, what is, what, how is he going to take care of us as, as people? What is, what is God doing? Um, so they call the place Mara. Um, the word bitter, uh, the word Mara means bitter. And I think it's more than just that the water itself was bitter, though they couldn't drink the water there. They finally find water and then they can't drink it. It's got to be the most frustrating thing. And uh, I think it's more than just the water was bitter. It's just that their hearts were bitter as well. They were bitter towards God. Uh, why would God take us all the way three days without water to this pond and now we can't even drink it? This is some kind of a cruel joke that God's playing on us. Why would he do this to us? Um, I think you and I can get like that as well, um, that we, we kind of hit that, that roadblock in the midst of, of good. Things are going good. Things are going pretty good. And then we kind of hit a few days of struggle. And then we finally get to a point where we think it's going to end. And then it's just another bigger roadblock. And we just get tense and, we, and tensions rise. 
between maybe you and your spouse, between maybe you lash out at your kids a little bit more because tensions, emotions are high in the house because finances are bad or whatever. And we're going to see that from them as well in this next verse. Uh, Verse 24, it says, Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. So God provides water for them. He, God hears his people. He hears their cry. Um, people cry out to Moses and say, what are we going to drink? They cry out to God, what are we going to drink? And God hears his people and provides water for them. Um, Sometimes it's the simplest of solutions that God is going to use to, to help us in our need. Um, we don't know exactly what the wood did, if it was just a true miracle of God, um, or like some people think that the sap from the wood, um, at, when he threw it in, that it, caught, it mixed with the chemicals, caused the bad chemicals to go down and the good water to come up. We don't know exactly how it worked. Um, maybe it was just God just performing a miracle, but um, he just does, says, just see that piece of wood there, grab that, throw that into the water, and then that water will be good to drink again, and it was. And they were, they were satisfied with the water that they needed. So God provides a simple solution sometimes to us uh, in our greatest need, just when we need something directly from God. And he hears you as well. I know you don't feel like that sometimes. I don't feel like that sometimes. Um, God, you know, my prayer is just hitting the ceiling and going no further. Um, but God does hear us. We know from God's word that he is always listening to us. He's always, always hearing our cry and hearing our, our need. But he doesn't just provide a, a quick solution for them and walk away. He's trying to train them. He's trying to instill in them some values that he's going to use and use and use in the coming years ahead. So uh, the second half of 25, it says, It was there at Mara that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. He said, If you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all of his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases that I sent, up on, sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. I love that last phrase, I am the Lord who heals you. God's not just about giving them the water that they need to quench their thirst. He's trying to make them healthy people. He's trying to heal them from their diseases, prevent them from getting diseases. They were coming out of Egypt. We don't know exactly all the conditions of Egypt that they were used to. Uh, we know it wasn't good. Um, we know that, obviously, the, if you read the plagues and everything like that, the Egyptians had some massive problems with uh, rodents and frogs and insects and things that carry disease. They were probably a very disease-ridden people. Um, and they probably didn't have a lot of sanitation laws and stuff like that in their country. Um, Israelites are taking everything they know from the, from the Egyptians as they leave Egypt. And God's saying, no, I've got something better for you. Um, if you follow the laws, I'm going to set some laws in place. They're not to push my thumb down on you, but they're to give you health. They're to give you life. I don't want you to experience the same kind of disease that they were used to in their lands. Um, so God, we don't, won't read this in, in the scripture today, but as you go on and you read into especially Leviticus and some of the books that, are, that follow Exodus, uh, and some even in Exodus itself, um, it talks about how 
uh, God wants them to like quarantine people. Like if someone gets sick in your camp, uh, maybe don't sleep next to them. <laughs> Put them in a separate room or in a separate outside of the camp. Um, if uh, you've been outside working all day, uh, maybe wash your hands before you eat, uh, before you have dinner that night. Uh, circumcision was another one. Um, eating kosher foods, eating certain foods so they wouldn't get foodborne illnesses and, and things like that. God is not trying to uh, give them a whole bunch of laws that he expects them to follow just because of a because I said so kind of thing. But this is a not, a not a because I said so kind of law. It's a I love you. I want health for you. I want you to be safe and protected from things that would kill you and, and destroy your body. Um, so that's, that's what he's saying in this verse. I'm the Lord who heals you. And God is providing health for his people. Uh, verse 27, the last verse we'll read in this chapter. It says, After leaving Mara, the Israelites traveled on to the oasis of Elam, where they found 12 springs and 70 palm trees. They camped there beside the water. I think this sounds awesome. I mean, if you, I've never been out uh, just in the middle of the Sahara Desert or anything like that, but um, you go on for days and days and days. This is resort vacation in the midst of of just the the worst conditions that that maybe that a a person can endure. Um, So God provides paradise in the midst of struggle for them. Uh, he provides an absolute resort paradise right in the middle of everything. Um, my wife and I just went to Cancun. We went to Cancun in, in September, uh, not too long ago, about nine months ago, I guess. And uh, Grant and Caitlin Youngsma, they, they just went to Cancun just a couple months ago. They actually went just a few hotels down the beach from where we were. So it was kind of sharing some of the same stories. I thought uh, Caitlin had a great post on f- Facebook. I think it was just like maybe six, six weeks or seven weeks after they went to Cancun. She posted on Facebook and said, uh, I think she was like tagging Grant or something. And she said, uh, is it time for us to go back? <laughs> like, you know, it's been like six weeks. You know, can we go back now to Cancun? And I think that's what paradise is like for us. We, we, we get adjusted to it. Um, when we were in Cancun, it's just like anything you wanted, anything you needed, you just ask for it and they give it to you. You know, it's all prepaid, all inclusive. So um, it was just nice. Like we just loved that week and we didn't want to go home. We didn't want to leave. Um, but I think that's kind of where they're at here is God is given abundance. He's giving them everything that they could ever want. And they get kind of this respite, this rest in the middle of their struggle. I think God does that for us as well, that we go through a time of struggle and then God gives us a time of rest, a respite away from the struggle to kind of to relax and rejuvenate ourselves. And then he, of course, sends us back out into the desert, back into the, the trying times in our lives. Um, I think the danger in paradise really is that we want to stay there forever. Uh, we, want, we don't ever want to leave. We don't want to leave the good things behind. Um, but God, sometimes God is leading us out of those things, and he will provide for us even in the wilderness when we go back out again and experience those tough times again. Um, so we'll go on to chapter 16. Where, um, you can follow along and just kind of skim along with, with your uh, Bible if you want. Um, I'm going to have uh, Alicia throw a couple verses up on the screen as I'm summarizing 16. We won't read uh, chapter 16 proper. I'll just kind of tell you what happens in it. In chapter 16, they, it isn't so much water that they're longing for, but it's food this time. Um, they are extremely hungry. Uh, they haven't had, maybe they brought some food rations out with them from Egypt and those ran out. It's been several weeks maybe now um, since they left Egypt and they're just running out of food very quickly and they're hungry. They need food. In verse three, uh, it says basically um, that like, oh, for the days of Egypt, um, and we had pots of meat. We had our meat and, wa- and, and, uh, and, and bread and everything, uh, all the water that we could drink, everything just piled up on our plate. It was awesome. Wasn't, wasn't Egypt great? Wasn't it great when we were 
back in slavery. <laughs> and there's a little bit of revisionist history going on here. They, they, uh, they remember the good things. They remember like when, you're, when your belly is hungry, it's like you remember how much food you had back when you were, you know, last week we were like, man, look at, you, you remember the size of that pizza or that huge pot roast that we had? Um, that's what they're doing here. They're forgetting all the bad stuff that happened to them. Uh, forget the fact that they were whipped uh, every day, seven days a week, awful work weeks and awful, awful life. They remember that they had at least food. Um, so that, I guess that's one good thing about Egypt. And then God responds in verse 4, um, immediately after their cry, man, we're hungry, we need food. In verse 4, basically he says, um, I'm going to rain down food upon you. And boy, is that literal. <laughs> he gets very literal with this. Um, we see in chapter 16 in the subsequent verses that um, God takes, there was quail in the area, but not where they were. And so he takes quail and he reroutes that quail over them and just dumps quail on top of their camp uh, every night, every single evening. Imagine, you know, 6 p.m., 7 p.m. rolls around and all this, this millions of quail just are coming at your camp and they're just dropping down on your camp. Basically, you know, front door delivery meat <laughs> of, of, of quail and fresh meat from God. So God provides food for them in the middle of the desert, right when they need it, right when they're asking God for it, uh, complaining to God, uh, God provides quail for them. Uh, he also provides bread for them as well, a, a bread-like bread substance. Uh, we know from scripture from 16, chapter 16, that the dew, they would wake up in the morning just like you do, you see dew on your front lawn in the morning, but the, it was different for them. When the sun came up and evaporated that dew, the dew would turn into a, a flaky kind of crust-like substance. It kind of tasted like honey wafer kind of thing. They didn't, had, had no clue what it was, so they called it manna. Uh, the word manna means what is it? Uh, and so uh, they, they said, well, we don't know what this is, but it sure tastes good, and, um, and God's going to give it to us every morning. So every morning, fresh bread. Every evening, fresh meat. Um, God is providing uh, for uh, his people, giving, providing food for them. Now, they were only supposed to get what they needed for that day. That was one of the stipulations that God gave us, with one exception that we'll get to in a second. But he said, every day I want you to go out and gather food in the morning. Uh, but don't take anything more than what you need for, the, for that day. I think, honestly, God is training them to just rely on him. Trust me. Food will be there today, tomorrow. You will get food uh, the next day. Just get what you, what you need for today. But in every crowd, someone's got to push the limit. So there's several people that say, well, now I'm not just going to gather what I need for today. I'm going to get twice as much or three times as much. They would try to hoard all this, all this extra manna on Monday so that they wouldn't have to go out and gather. If God didn't come through. If on Tuesday he decided, oh, I don't feel like giving a manna today, they were okay because they had some extra from the day before. But God is so awesome <laughs> that on Monday night, uh, that all their extra food that they had, it soured and it spoiled overnight. And so they woke up Tuesday morning, they couldn't eat any of the manna they had gotten from the, day, from the day before. So they had to go back out on Tuesday. God is training them, rely on me, like I'm going to be there. Trust me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to provide for you every day. You don't have to worry about it. Um, God says to them, uh, take what you need. Um, he's training them, to trust me when you have nothing. Later on in the promised land, you're going to have everything. The land is going to provide for you. Right now, when the desert is not going to provide for you, the desert is not going to give you food, it's not going to give you water, um, trust me when you have nothing, so that later on, when you have everything, you still trust me, you still lean on me, you still depend on me and look to me for everything. I think that's a great application for us in our world today. Maybe, maybe you're at where you're at in your life. You have everything that you need. Um, you're not really in want for anything. Um, maybe you have want for a lot of things, and you're barely getting by just working paycheck to paycheck. Um, our 
I'll just be frank with you, our church is that way. We're, we're living just income to income, tithe to tithe right now, paying our bills. Um, but we're, man, I, I promise you, we are in deep dependence upon God, crying out to God saying, would you provide it for us? Would you take care of us? And maybe you need to do the same thing as well now so that later on when you have plenty, when you, have, when you don't really need a whole lot of help from God because you can kind of provide for yourself, quote unquote, um, never mind the fact that God gave you the job that you had, but, but you're providing for yourself that you still depend on God. You still trust in him. And God's doing that with them now before they get to the promised land. And then there's one more thing I wanted to point out in chapter 16 before we move on. It's not that it's just that he provides them food. We actually, in, it's, it's kind of subtle, but God is providing them rest in chapter 16 as well. God provides his people rest in chapter 16. It's, it, this is before the law. Um, God gives the law to Moses uh, here in a short while, but they don't have laws at this point. They, we, they had some 600 or so laws, but they don't have any laws at this point. But God is already training them about the Sabbath and is teaching them to rest. Now, some of you in this room, like, you love to rest. You're like, you can't wait for the weekend. You know, you're always working for the weekend or whatever. Uh, and, and you get there, and it's just like, okay, yes, I'm going to finally rest. Some of you are the opposite, where, like, you're workaholics. You feel like you have to work all the time. Uh, seven days a week, there's never a chance to rest. God is, is forcing them to rest, and he does it in this way. I told you a little bit ago, he, he made an exception. He said, okay, there's one day a week that you're not going to gather manna. There's one day a week that you're not going to gather quail. On Fridays, I want you to gather a double portion. I'm giving you permission. Go ahead and get twice as much. It's not going to spoil overnight. Don't worry about that. On Saturday morning, you're going to wake up. There's not going to be any manna on the ground. Um, but you'll have the, the stuff from Friday is going to still be good. You'll still eat that. I just want you to rest. I don't want you to do anything on Saturdays, the Sabbath day. Um, but as in every group, there's someone that has to push the limit. And so there's some people that say, I'm going to go out on Saturday. I can't stop working. I got I to go, 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 go all the time. And so they try to go out on Saturday and they're looking at the grounds and there's no manna. So they go on to the next house. There's no manna over there. There's no manna anywhere. It's like, duh, God said, I'm not going to provide manna for you on Saturday. Uh, get a double portion on Friday. Um, again, I think this is um, people just not trusting God for rest. Um, that they had been used to a 365-day-a-year work year. Um, seven days a week they worked and they never took a day of rest. And so now God is pounding into them, beating their drum to a new rhythm, so to speak, to say, look, you're going you're gonna to beat six days a week, but then you're going to rest on that seventh day. Um, I, music is like this. I, obviously, I love music. Um, music is, it would not be enjoyable to listen to if it was always constantly uh, hitting notes and beating drums. Um, there are natural rests in music. Um, and that makes music interesting to listen to. Our lives need to be like that. We need to have rest in our lives for it to have meaning, and God is instilling that in them uh, through this chapter. So he provides uh, water, he provides food, he provides health, he provides rest for his people. Um, and then I want to look at one, one other thought in, as we um, kind of wrap up Exodus here. Exodus 17.5 is where we're going to start. We're going to skip, skip the first few verses. 17.5. Um, the people have moved on to another camp. Uh, so they've, they've had their food and their quail and their water from before. Uh, but now they get to another camp and they're thirsty again. They, they need water again. They're, again, they're constantly in dependence on God. Without God, we're going to die out here. And this is what happens in verse 5. It, it, God provides water for them in a different way. Verse 5, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Walk out in front of the people. Take your staff, the one that you used when you struck the water of the Nile, and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. I will stand before you on the rock of Mount Sinai. Strike the rock, and water will come gushing out. 
Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told, and water gushed out as the elders looked on. Moses named the place Masa, which means test, and Meribah, which means arguing, because the people of Israel argued with Moses and tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord here with us or not? And it's that last part that I really want to hone in on. Is the Lord here with us or is he not? God had provided water for them when they needed it. He provided protection for them, like we talked about last week. He, he routed them around armies. He had given them food when they needed it. He was providing health for his people. He was making them rest, forcing them to rest uh, and not be so workaholic. Um, he's doing all these things, providing for them. But the next time they need water, they immediately go to, is God here for us? Is he there? Is God even there? Does he care about us I- anymore? Um, it's pretty easy for us to point the finger and say, oh man, you know, look how dumb they were. You know, God's, obviously God's going to provide for them. He's constantly with them, a, a pillar of fire and a cloud by day. Um, why would they ever doubt that God was even there amongst them? But man, you and I have been there. Um, as soon as the um, uh, Martin Luther, the famous reformationist, said, when the supply fails, our faith is soon gone. And I think that's, that's us to a T. When God fails to give us what we need, um, when we feel like he's delaying on our requests, we immediately go to God must not be there anymore. He must not care about me anymore. He must have turned a deaf ear or maybe he's far in a faraway land and he doesn't even know I exist. We go there so quickly. I was telling Shane this week that I feel like we're bipolar Christians, that, that one moment we're just on cloud nine, just happy to receive good from the Lord, and then depressed beyond measure when we feel like that supply runs out or that God is, is delaying on, on acting on what we've asked him to do. Um, honestly, guys, I, I think if we reduce our relationship to God, relationship with God to just what he can give us, um, to what he supplies us, a, a handout. We're constantly looking for a handout from God. Uh, we have wrecked our relationship with God. We have made him, reduced him to the point of what he can give us and what he can, how he can make us feel better about our lives. And that's not what a relationship is all about. That's not how your relationship is with your spouse, um, your boyfriend, your girlfriends, your, your kids or your friends. That's not how we treat people. Um, but we treat God that way so often that, uh, man, I've been praying for this for days, weeks maybe, and God hasn't come through, so he must not be there anymore. He's just not, he's not present in my life. The question of God's provision is really at its core a question of God's presence. Uh, we doubt God's presence when we doubt his provision, um, and, and they were doing that as well there. Is the Lord here with us, or is he not? Um, when your life, and maybe your life is like that today. Maybe you came this morning, you say, my life is, is a living hell. I, I, things are, are not going well for me. Uh, and maybe you came in this morning with doubts. Um, but I'm here to tell you, it is natural and normal to doubt God in the drought. Um, when you're going through a drought in your life, it is natural to doubt God in the drought. And uh, we have to um, turn to each other. We have to encourage one another. Keep pressing into God. Keep seeking him. Keep asking him and uh, keep desiring what he desires. Um, I want to look at one passage from Matthew before we wrap up this morning. Matthew 6, we did actually a whole series on the Sermon on the Mount not too long ago, a year or two ago. Um, You can go back and listen to those messages. Um, Shane, I thought that was one of the best series we've done is the Sermon on the Mount, just diving into what Jesus had to say about just life, just life stuff, normal everyday life. And uh, Matthew 6, 25 is where we're, I'm going to read a couple verses there um, where Jesus talks about the same thing. Again, old school, what, what, is new, what was old is new again. Jesus is talking about these exact same concepts about uh, need and about how God's providing for our need. In Matthew 6, 25, he says, 
This is Jesus speaking. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink and enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. Though they, they don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to them, to, to him than they are? And then in verse, we'll jump a few verses, verse 31. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? So that sounds familiar. The Israelites worried about that. What will we drink? They worried about that too. What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. Um, some of you came in this morning and you doubt God. You doubt God that he's going to come through, that he's going to give you everything that you need. But I know from scripture um, that what we just read, that God is going to provide for your needs. But let me throw this out uh, to you before we, before we close up this, uh, this morning. Um, what you think you, you need may not be actually what you need. Um, if you think that God isn't providing for your needs, uh, you might need to revise your needs list. Uh, what is your needs list? What, when you think about the things that you need from God, that you need God to pull through on, or the things that you need to survive, what is your needs list this morning? Um, it might just be that God's needs list is a little different than your needs list. I know my needs list oftentimes is very different, very, very different from what, what God thinks I need. Um, here's the danger in having a different needs list than what God's needs list is for you. If you, something that you think that you need, that you don't really need, God knows that you don't need it, and he doesn't, and you ask him, and you say, oh God, I need this, um, please would you give this to me? And he says no, or he delays, and, and several years go by, and he doesn't give it to you. What are you likely to do in that moment? You're likely to doubt God, say exactly what the Israelites said, is God even here for us? Does he even know that I exist? You're, you're going to immediately wreck your relationship with God because your needs list is different than God's needs list. And so let's not put on God the things that we feel like we need that he knows we don't need. Let's not put that on God because now he's trapped. Now he, well, he, I know they don't need it. I'm not going to give it to him. And now they're just going to sever their relationship with me and it's over. Um, we need to be careful, I think, with our needs list. God says that I will give you everything that you need, but you might need to revise what it is that you think that you need. So our prayer, week, prayer work for this week is, God, would you help me revise my needs list and trust that you will provide for everything that I need? Um, God provided their basic needs. They needed food, he gave them food. He, they needed water, they, he gave them water. He gave them protection, as we learned about last week. He gives them uh, health and uh, shelter, all the basic needs that humans need. Um, we don't see him giving a lot of their wants, their desires, just their basic needs. And maybe that's what God has given you. Maybe he's going to give you more than your needs this morning. Um, but um, as we close, I, I just want to throw a few things out uh, to you just to kind of get you thinking. Um, maybe some of you this morning just need to revise your needs list. Um, just look, uh, examine your needs list. Talk to God this morning as we're singing. We're going to sing several songs together. Um, as we're singing, just say, God, what is my needs list? How does it compare to yours? Um, maybe some of you this morning have a good, a pretty good needs list. It really is just things that you need. Um, but you doubt God's ability to provide for those needs like the Israelites did. And it's very normal, I think, to do that, especially in a time of drought. Um, and maybe you just need to cry out to him this morning and say, God, I, I know that you have my needs in mind, um, but I just need to know that you're here. I need, I need to know that you're there and that you're going to provide for those. God can ha handle your anger at him this morning. He can handle your doubt and just give that to him and cry out to him.
Uh, some of you um, have basic needs, but you just kind of wish that God would provide even more than that. And that's, that's okay, too. I, I think you need to cry out to the Father um, as a little child this morning to say, God, I, I know I don't need this, but I really would like to have it. Would you help me, help me get, get, get that or achieve that? Um, I don't know how God will respond to that, but as long as you know it's not a need, um, I think you're going to be in, good, in a good place with God. Um, so cry out to him this morning. Um, there are two things I promise you that God will do when you cry out to him. One, I know from scripture he will hear you. He will listen to you. Everything that we saw this morning, every verse that we read and summarized, it's constantly God, God heard his people. God hear, heard them. He hears you and he hears them. He hears everyone that cries out to him. And secondly, um, he, yes, he hears you, but secondly, I promise you that he will provide you everything that you need. Now, again, I don't know what's on the needs list that he has for you, but I promise you that he will provide for your needs. Um, I can't speak to the other things that are, aren't needs, but I know that God wants to provide for your needs. Um, the band's going to come at this time, and we're gonna, um, I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to stand up and sing several songs together. Um, if you want to talk to me some more, um, I certainly don't know everything there is to know about God and, and how he provides for us, but I, will lo- I would love to talk to you. I would love to pray with you, um, pray on behalf of you, and pray for your needs. Um, with you. So you can come meet me in the back. Um, Shelly's going to be in the back as well. If you'd rather talk to, uh, if you're a woman, you would rather talk to someone of the same gender, she'll be in the back and and she would love to talk to you and pray for you. Um, If you don't know this God that we're talking about that provides for our needs, I would love to introduce him to you um, and we can do that together. So let me pray for you and then we'll stand and sing. God, uh, we just thank you that you are um, the Lord who heals us. You're the Lord who provides for us, provides for our needs. Lord, um, we have so much in this country. Um, There are people across the world from us in third world countries that are crying out to you in a very, very different way than we cry out to you here. Um, Provide for their needs. Provide for their just clean water and sustenance, the things that they would die without having. um, Lord, we enjoy so much in this world, uh, in this United States that we live in, but we still have needs. We still have daily things that we need. And God, as we cry out to you this morning, as we sing these songs, maybe we don't need to sing. Maybe we just need to cry out to you and say, God, would you come through for me? I really need you to come through. God, just respond. I know you're going to hear us, so I don't have to ask you for that. But Lord, just respond in in a way um, that we know that you're there and that we know that we don't have to um, cry out even louder for you you to hear us. Um, Lord, just be with our, our people. Be with Cross Pointers this week. Um, Help them just to know that they can cry out to you and not fear that you're not going to be there for them. We love you so much. In your name I pray, amen.